This is Marco Reus and you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 261 of The Yellow Report. I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, once again from Philadelphia. And we have a lot of things to discuss. It was an eventful week in the English Woche, and we have one game to preview. Um, yeah, Borussia Dortmund lost their first game of the season. But before we discuss all that, I want to welcome Matthias Zug. Hello, Matthias. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. I'm doing much better than when we were supposed to record last time. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well myself. If anyone here is snoring in the back, um, <laughs> I've got a new dog and he's sleeping right next to me right now. So um, apologies. Also here, Lars Polman. Hello, Lars. Also Welcome snoring, I thought. Uh, hi, Stefan. <laughs> Yeah, um, speaking of snoring, um, I, um, I'm very glad that I can give a shout out to Jack, uh, one of our loyal listeners who's just 11 years old and says that, uh, my voice puts him to sleep. So, uh, I wanted to do that at the top of the show because otherwise apparently he misses it. So with all that out of the way, <laughs> it's now time to dive in to the games. Borussia Dortmund won against Werder Bremen 2-1 on Saturday in the top spiel and I thought uh, for once it actually was a top spiel. Um, I thought it was a very entertaining game even though there were no goals in the second half which I thoroughly expected. Um, nevertheless, in my opinion, a deserved win. What do you think, Lars? I agree. Okay, cool. <laughs> So what what do you make of this game in in general? Um, for the first time in a long time, I thought that um, in in Bremen Dortmund had an opponent opponent that opened up a little bit better. Alcacer from the start looked very good. Rafael Guerrero too. Um, do you think that was down to to Bremen trying to you know be attacking and and offering Dortmund chances in transition, or do you think that was just a very good day by Dortmund? As always, a mixture of both, I guess. I mean, I didn't think Bremen were outrageously attacking-minded going into this game. Uh, also, in terms of personnel decisions, uh, uh, Florian Kofeld, uh, the Bremen coach, made. Um, but, you know, they, they came into this game unafraid of Dortmund's firepower offensively, and I think that's the right way to approach games these days because as we talked about last week Dortmund really aren't playing at the absolute top of their game uh, for a few weeks now and obviously that also led to their first league defeat which we'll talk about later so made some sense for Bremen to come into this game with a, a bit more confidence than maybe other teams have shown especially traveling to Dortmund this season But I think Dortmund kind of countered that quite nicely. Themselves being just, you know, in, in enough positions, I guess, having a really good day. You already mentioned Alcacer, he by far had his best or most complete, I should say, performance for Dortmund. Guerrero was really good. Reus is always good against Bremen. Uh, Sancho had a great assist. So I think they, they did enough to deservedly win. But maybe there were also some of the cracks already showing that kind of hurt them a few days later in Düsseldorf. Yeah, Matthias, what do you make of of uh, this this game against Bremen? I mean, it was pretty close throughout the 90 minutes, even though I I thought Dortmund could have scored the three the three one earlier. But uh, Bremen also, I don't know about creating lots of of high high uh, probability scoring chances but they were all, all, always up and about do you do you think this is a, a development of of teams figuring out Dortmund a little bit or just the the game plan overall and how, how Dortmund set up or what do you make of this 
Well, I think it's a combination of a few things. I mean, first of all, I don't know if people are figuring Dortmund out because at the end of the day, Dortmund still won that match. Um, it's it's also a matter of that uh, Florian Kofeld isn't a bad coach and Bremen are not a bad side. Yeah, their form has dipped significantly over the last month or so. Um, but they like playing more aggressively. They don't, they're not passive. They don't sit deep necessarily. They like getting in people's faces. There's a lot of similarity with Mainz and, um, Mainz played Dortmund the same way and also lost. Um, at the end of the day, the greater quality wins out in both situations. Like you said, um, if it wasn't for that really great goal from Kruse, that great shot, you know, Bremen didn't have a lot of, lot of chances, but they were always threatening. They made life dangerous for Dortmund. Dortmund had to be leery of a counterattack and, and not opening up too much, uh, as they, at the end of the day, kind of did against Düsseldorf early. But again, we will talk about that in a bit. Um, no, I mean, Dortmund were the better side overall, uh, definitely deserved the win overall. And, uh, you know, we'll, again, we'll talk about it in a bit. But the narrative of, and I'm getting a little sick of it, so cue there may be a rant coming, uh, that, uh, you know, people are saying Dortmund are horrible against teams that sit back and uh, have clear issues because they have difficulty breaking down sides that are very good defensively. Well, that's normal. That's football. That's, I mean, has anybody watched a match against Sweden or Iceland or Burnley? Uh, you know, it, it just, that's the way it is against sides like that. Um, and unfortunately, I did watch over 90 minutes against Burnley as a Spurs supporter. It took Spurs until the 91st minute to get a goal, even though they were better. And it's it's not saying how poorly Dortmund are, or in that match, Spurs, or, or Bayern against Chelsea in the Champions League final. It, it's also that the other team played really well, had a match plan, executed it well. Uh, Bremen didn't get lucky and Dusseldorf did get a little bit lucky. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not over interpreting it. I think there's also, you can't forget match fatigue plays in, uh, injuries play in. Don't want to play a lot of matches at high intensity over the last three months. So this is bound to happen, but it's not, an, you know, a huge issue. It's not a huge red flag, in my opinion. Uh, the mentality is strong in this side, and the winter break is coming at a good time for Dortmund just because of getting a breather, honestly, before the fixture congestion starts all over again uh, mid to late January, so a month from now. Yeah, I, I think... That's a general ob observation that Dortmund are running out of steam a little bit. Um, can can be made in all of the recent games where the combination play isn't always as crisp, where they don't finish with the same focus as they used to, and and just stuff like that. Um, but what I liked against Bremen first of all is um, the decision by Lucien Favre to finally uh, drop. Jakob Brünnlassen to the bench and uh, play Rafael Guerrero. I thought, especially in the first half, Dortmund had a lot of uh, good connections where they overloaded the left side, especially with uh, Guerrero, who had yeah a couple of one-touch plays that, that came off well, and then he found Marco Royce and so on and so forth. And I think Akasa and Sancho chipped in. So so that was going well. Sadly, something we didn't see then against Düsseldorf again, even though I. I thought that Guerrero probably would have had another 90 minutes or so in him, but uh, more on that later. Um, Lars, there was, uh, I, I think you even yourself praised the Lords for uh, Nuri Schein being f fielded and uh, Marco Royce, um, yeah, playing between the lines basically against Schein. Do you think that uh, made a big difference? that uh, Nuri Schein was playing and that Dortmund could take advantage of that? Or do you think if it was someone else, it would have just been as good? Well, to be honest, Schein didn't have a bad game. Uh, kind of blah going forward, didn't really contribute much, but he didn't make any uh, defensive mistakes and he helped organize things relatively well, seeing as Dortmund also didn't have too many clear-cut scoring chances, uh, at least throughout the first 60 or 70 minutes, which is usually the time when team tactics are employed as imagined by the coaches before fatigue sets in and substitutions make a difference and all that. 
So I didn't think Dortmund had as much of an advantage with Shine playing as the deep midfielder in a, a diamond, which is basically what Bremen did, which we talked about would be a risk against Dortmund, also talking about what Schalke did and how Royce had a field day against Sebastian Rudi, who's a better defensive midfielder than Shine uh, these days. But, you know, I, I didn't see Dortmund having a big advantage in this regard. And it probably tied into uh, the fact that Dortmund did a lot over the wings as opposed to the Schalke match again where most of their attacks came through the middle and, and really straight down the middle. Uh, I think you already mentioned Guerrero. We we saw Sancho do his thing, uh, Hakimi and Piszczek. You know, the Dortmund don't do it all the time, but when they do, they, they can be really quite forceful down the wings and they did it to pretty good effect against Bremen, even though obviously uh, the the goals didn't necessarily come from that. You know, the, the second goal came from a pass from Sancho from the wing, but uh, developed through the middle and the first goal was a well-crafted set piece. So it wasn't like Dortmund had a barrage of great chances coming through their wing play, but it certainly was more of a factor than against Schalke. Yeah, that that certainly was. Um, Matthias, what I found interesting about this game is that there were a lot of momentum swings. There were phases where Dortmund were completely dominant and, and pending Bremen back and, and the other way around. And uh, whenever Bremen had the upper hand, so to speak, especially um, uh, at the beginning of the second half, for example, um, what I always notice is that um, Bremen managed to press Dortmund's left side very well. That uh, Hakimi, for example, never really found a solution uh, to build cleanly out of the back, and uh, that more or less, yeah, then resulted in Dortmund reverting to to long balls. Um, we haven't really talked about Hakimi in that as aspect yet, but do you think that is maybe one of his weaknesses that? Uh, when he is very deep in his own half, that uh, maybe his, his build-up qualities are lackluster. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not going too far. I, I think maybe maybe going too far because a part of it is also, you know, your 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 build-up play from the back is also dictated by what's in front of you, and if he's not giving many options in front of him, there's not much to build up towards. Um, and Bremen did an incredibly good job uh, in that match in limiting the options that Dortmund have. And that's one thing I guess you could kind of say Dortmund is being found out by good coaches in the sense of they're limiting the options um, in the, the buildup because Favre is going to stick to his plan um, in that regard. He, he believes in building up from the back. Um, but overall, uh, I, I I wouldn't interpret too much into it. Yeah, it's an area that he can definitely improve upon. I think uh, once he gets past the the midfield line, Hakimi is incredibly dangerous, whether it's on the right or the left, cutting inside, his movement is good. So yeah, I mean, a young player is bound to have deficiencies. Um, occasionally it can be in his positioning, definitely not in his work rate because man, he bombs up and down all match long um, and then maybe just his vision when not given the right options in a defensive third it's funny because when he's in the attacking third he doesn't have that it seems and and obviously things get a little bit tighter when you get closer to the uh, opposition goal so yeah it's probably an area he needs to work on but I mean it's it's a li I'm, I'm not gonna say we're we're nitpicking a little bit but um, you know, he's still a very, very young player. So if he can refine that a little bit more, you know, then Dortmund definitely won't be able to afford him uh, from from Real Madrid. Yeah, I still have my doubts that this will ever happen, to be honest. Uh, the way he's playing, I, I think there's a very good chance that he is going back to Real Madrid uh, like Carvajal did um, because Leverkusen could not hold on to him. Um, I don't know if there's... Too many things to discuss because uh, you know we still have two games, two games to discuss. But um, maybe one last thing, last. Do you think that um, if you remember there was a, a nudge on Marco Reus in, in the box? Do you think there was a penalty? I, I think it was um, David Klaassen who just sort of bundled him over while uh, 
Royce was heading toward goal, do you think there was a pen or uh, or not enough for VAR to intervene? Well, um, I didn't think it was as egregious as what Royce did uh, against Amin Harid in the uh, Revere Derby, even though that was obviously the point everyone and their grandmother made on Twitter um, during the game. <laughs> But, uh, you know, uh, as German TV showed like an hour after the game was over, uh, Royce had actually been offside in the build-up to that uh, situation, so it wouldn't have been able to be given as a penalty because obviously offside is something VAR also checks, so there was nothing to discuss really because, as I said, Royce was offside, so everything that happened afterwards is is a wash, basically. All right, all right. I guess then we can wrap it up. That was uh, a very important win for Dortmund, obviously. Um And uh, yeah, the goals were very nice. I mean, the uh, set piece routine <laughs> was was pretty cool from Guerrero and Alcázar uh, kept uh, or caught Bremen very uh, uh, off guard. I think if it weren't for Alcázar scoring the header, uh, Akanji might have gotten his head to it as well. And then, of course, uh, yeah, just a very old fashioned counter attack with Alcázar. I think moving the ball forward to Sancho and who finally uh, managed to connect with Royce on the cutback and uh, he stuck away even though there were like I think eight or so Bremen players around him but uh, not close enough and uh, yeah I think the the same can be then also said about Dortmund's performance against Düsseldorf a 2-1 defeat and I have to be honest I haven't seen it in in full so you guys have to fill in the blanks but um yeah in the last episode, I was very confident that Dortmund were going away with a win, but that was before I uh, found out that historically Dusseldorf have recorded the most wins in the Bundesliga against Borussia Dortmund. So uh, maybe there's a bit of a jinx going on here. I don't know. Um, but last, why were Dortmund uh, not, yeah, coming out victorious? out of this game and uh, for the first time fail to uh, snatch something while being down? Well, first of all, uh, Düsseldorf were really, really good. Um, I think there has most of the credit. Or it, the discussion shouldn't necessarily, obviously, it's going to be here on this show, but generally speaking, this, the discussion shouldn't be about why Dortmund didn't win and rather why Düsseldorf did win, and that is because they defended exceptionally well made zero individual mistakes over 90 minutes, which is really hard to do against Dortmund, especially. Uh, but, you know, as for Dortmund, I think too many players didn't really hit their form. Uh, I mean, obviously, that extends to Polisic and Brun Larsen on the wings, who were both pretty much terrible, to be honest. Uh, Schmelzer didn't have a great game. Uh, Götze up front was kind of cut off was kind of like he had the kind of game Paco has had as a starting player, whereas Alcácer had the kind of game Götze had with the added bonus of scoring uh, against Bremen because, you know, he was really good in combination play and whatever, and Götze didn't really have much to do and much to play with with his teammates. Uh, even Royce didn't have a great game. Vincent Delaney, the, the organization didn't really work as well as in other games. So it was just... Uh, a confluence of players not having great days, which against an opponent playing out of his relative mind, uh, you know, in terms of individual talent, uh, that can happen. And then obviously Düsseldorf's attacking plan was very simple, but quite effective, which is, you know, knock it long to Luke Bakio. He's going to run away from everyone. He looks faster to me than Aubameyang, to be honest. So uh, that, that tells you something about how quick he is. And he's, put away his one chance. Uh, Düsseldorf had one another great chance through uh, Usami, I think, who missed from point-blank range. Uh, and then Jean Zimmer hit the goal of his lifetime to make it 2-0. And Dortmund did well enough, I would say, in the last 25 or so minutes. They got one back and it wouldn't have been too surprising to see them get the other back as well, but they didn't. And obviously, first drop points or first loss of the season. But honestly was more of a deserved win for Düsseldorf, I would say, than a deserved defeat necessarily for Dortmund. All right, fair enough. Um, Matthias, anything um, from from your perspective that uh, 
Favre could have maybe done differently. I mean, he rotated pretty heavily. Um, was it four or five changes? And um, I always think in, in, in games where you can expect a very um, deep-sitting uh, opponent that you don't have to play Delaney necessarily, but uh, Favre always does somehow. Um, do, you, do you think that is fair criticism? And uh, yeah, if so, would you have done anything differently? Or do you think this is just uh, one of those games? No, I, I think that's absolutely fair criticism. I mean, you mentioned all the changes he made, but he didn't make one change, and that was play Dahoud instead of Delaney. And I think this was, given also the amount of matches Delaney played, you know, if you compare the two players, um, you know, Dahoud has pretty decent pressing resistance. Not that that was a huge issue against Dusseldorf. Um, he, he does work back. He's not lazy going back. He's athletic. Um, The, the advantage that Delaney has over Dahoud, Delaney is significantly more disciplined in his passing and in his temperament. But a, a typical Dahoud Hollywood ball wouldn't have necessarily hurt Dortmund too much in this match, given how Dusseldorf were set up. So I'm just surprised that in the second half, at least, we didn't see you know a halftime change, Dahoud coming in for Delaney um, or, you know, Pulisic, I mean, that's a whole other chapter on, on the fall of Christian Pulisic. Um, I think, uh, counter to what some people have said, I don't think Marcel Schmelzer had a horrible match. Um, it wasn't necessarily the greatest match for him to come back in, but it, it wasn't the worst thing. The thing that drives me nuts, and not to draw parallels to the disastrous World Cup for Germany, um, but there were warning shots right away. From Dusseldorf, there were uh, two or three chances where they played that long ball into the channel, and Luka Bakio chased it down, and he just didn't play out the situation very well. Otherwise, it could have resulted in a goal-scoring opportunity, which then it did eventually, and they scored. It's kind of like against Mexico. They're doing the same thing over and over again, and Luf just stood there like, yeah, okay, I'm sure this will go well. <laughs> And it, it, it felt reminiscent of that. I was looking at the TV screen. I'm like, well, surely Fava is going to make some type of adjustment to not let that happen again because it's happened two. I can't remember if it was twice or three times before he, it finally worked as a goal. You know what they're going to do. Adjust and change accordingly, and then it won't happen again. But it happened, and, and so be it. The the Tima goal, uh, some people are, are blaming Schmelzer there because of his <laughs> positioning, being too tight and not out far enough. You know, Tima takes that shot a hundred times. I'd be surprised if he makes it more than five times, honestly. It was that kind of a shot. I mean, he says he practiced it, but yeah, okay, whatever. Um, that's that's a once-in-a-lifetime goal for him, or for most fullbacks, Um To, to speak of. Um, so Dortmund had a few opportunities, not many. Uh, again, last talked about the Usami miss, which I think Sean Dundee, who was on the English feed, said that it's harder to miss that goal than to make it. And, and I kind of agree. It was like, how could he? I thought it was done. And then he missed it. And okay, there's still life. But uh, I agree, Dusseldorf played very, very well. They executed their game plan to perfection, which they have done a few times this season. Um, and they profited also from a tired Dortmund, from a rotated Dortmund, from a Dortmund that I don't think had, that should have played Dahut in that situation. And Brun Larsen, whose form has dipped recently, and Pulisic, who hasn't had form recently. Um, no dip. He's just been bad this season, in my opinion. Not as good as he can be. Not a not a Dortmund starting caliber player. Because you noticed it once Jaden Sancho came in, the dynamic of the match shifted dramatically. Um, but if you look at, for instance, just statistically, Dortmund seemingly were in control, but shots wise, it was not too dissimilar. Uh, tackle percentage one pretty similar. But one thing I found interesting that Dortmund actually committed more fouls than Dusseldorf. And that belies some frustration, lack of discipline, and lack of concentration. Um, and it was just sloppy. I mean, it wasn't Leverkusen versus Schalke sloppy, but it was sloppy at times. And <laughs> oh, so... Man, that game was so bad. And, oh God, that was atrocious. But uh, I still watched it for some reason. 
Um, but yeah, no, I, it, Dusseldorf did really, really well. There were things that Favre should have done that he didn't. I don't understand why. I mean, in the at halftime, I know he's not necessarily one to make a double sub at half, but it was really one where you're like, okay, Guerrero in for Brun Larson, Dahoud in for Delaney, and maybe things would have changed quicker for the better. But hindsight. It's hard to say, and who knows if there were any issues with those players at a given time. Yeah, the thing is, maybe maybe the uh, fourth substitution at halftime where uh, Akanji had to go off for Toprak um, sort of uh, denied a different substitution that I probably would have made and yeah. Lucien Favre yeah. has made in the past already. Um, that's uh, highly speculative. Um, so, yeah... Last, I kind of want to get your two cents on on both Brun Larsen and, and and Pulisic, who um yeah in in my mind at least and from what I've seen did close to zero in in uh in the sense that there was any sort of effective for Dortmund to create anything. Um, why do you think those players right now um just can't step up to to what they are capable of? Or do you just think it's it's unfair to measure them up to a very hot Jade Sancho or both? I mean, certainly it's not necessarily a fair comparison to compare. I mean, they are older, but, you know, Sancho is probably the best teenager now that Kylian Mbappé is 20 years of uh, as of today. Uh, Sancho is probably the best teenager in the world. And, you know, uh, obviously Pulisic and Brun Larsen aren't teenagers anymore, but it's still kind of a similar situation for them. Uh, I think Pulisic is just in a complete rut. He needs to shut down for a few days, get in a better headspace. I don't know what's bothering him. Is it, you know, all the talk about a move to England? Is it maybe something as simple as uh, his father not being around anymore because he moved back to the US to coach indoor soccer or something strange that was in Dortmund just a couple of weeks ago yeah but so. he's not living there anymore and, and I don't know yeah, I mean I don't want to I don't know that's basically what I'm trying to say I don't know what is going on <laughs> with Pulisic because he is much better than he has shown for weeks uh, I actually defended him I think in October looking at his statistics they, they weren't bad you know he, he had a uh, uh, contributed to seven goals, I think, in, you know, 13 games or so, which is for his standards actually a decent rate. Uh, he had a lot of important moments without necessarily always playing great, but the same can be said for Jaden Sancho, who really only started to be consistently great for 75 out of 90 minutes uh, a few weeks ago, I would, I would say. So, I don't know what's what's going on with him. I think he, as I said, needs to shut down over the holidays, come back with a better headspace, or you know, just get the move to Chelsea, Liverpool, whatever, out of the way for the summer and concentrate on leaving a, a decent legacy, if you like, uh, in this what undoubtedly will be his last six months at Dortmund. I would say. As for Brun Larsen, uh, I think we talked about him a little bit last week. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm I'm not sure just how good he really is. I think he probably overachieved a little bit, especially with his scoring contribution earlier in the season. Um, I think he's a solid all-around player, but I don't know how high his ceiling is uh, because of some limitations. You know, his first touch isn't really good. His technique overall is not on the same level as Politic Sancho, even Guerrero. I mean, it's a testament to his qualities and, and also his solidity, I think, that he's playing uh, over Marius Wolf, who is a somewhat similar player, probably. But I, I forgot he exists and don't yes, spend, like, what, 20 million on him? Uh, if you include two years of wages, I think that's somewhat correct, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, he's playing over Marius Wolf, who's a somewhat similar player, but more experienced in the Bundesliga, did really, really well for Frankfurt last season. Uh, and he's also playing over Maximilian Philipp, whom Favre seems to see as a striker only, uh, or you know, or, number 10. Or, or mainly striker, and, and as a number ten against Monaco because that game didn't matter. Uh, so, I, I mean, it's clear as day that 
this Dortmund side cannot really replace Jaden Sancho, which sounds bad if you can't replace an 18-year-old. But, you know, this is not uh, a normal teenage kid. I mean, he's the real deal. He's probably one of the five or six best players in the Bundesliga, regardless of age, position, whatever, this season. So it's it's okay to be very much dependent on him. And on the other side, it's kind of a, a form question between Guerrero, Brun Larsen, Pulisic, Philipp, Wolf, whomever else we want to put in the mix. And as of right now, I would say that Guerrero is clearly the best of the bunch. But as we know with him, it's it's always a question of how well he can conserve his, his good spells of form because this is his third season at Dortmund. And I would find it hard to come up with more than maybe 10 games where he was really, really good. I mean, we all know his potential and we know how glowingly Thomas Tuchel uh, talked of him, but he hasn't really put it together on a consistent basis at any point at Dortmund either. So they are kind of mixing and matching uh, on the wing opposite of Sancho. And that's probably going to be a, a thing until the end of the season where uh, I would assume they will use some of the Pulisic money to get a more established uh, winger Favre really likes, uh, whether that's someone like Torgan Azar of Gladbach. There's a lot of rumors about him or someone else. I think that's certainly something they are going to look at. Yeah, I mean, it was just not Dortmund's day in, in general and uh, maybe the uh, knock-on effect um, of of the defeat against Düsseldorf, um, uh, yeah, might be even worse because facing Gladbach, and I think it's fair to just shift to this game now. Um, Dortmund have this big question as who they will uh, play in their backline because um, not only uh, Akanji but also Diallo and Zagadou are out for this game. I think Lucien Favre was pretty pretty uh, straightforward on the, on the press conference that uh, it's. It's not possible for for them to play on on Friday. Um, I personally don't understand why. Um, if you know how congested Dortmund's schedule is, why uh, people that that schedule the 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 league uh, need to put Dortmund on a Friday game, basically forcing them to play three games within six days. Um, that's just um, yeah, a little bit ridiculous. Even though it's the winter break afterward, but just considering how much playing time they all have had in recent months. Um, yeah, I think they can also just play on a Saturday or a Sunday even, or whatever on a Monday game, even though I think that's Christmas then. But um, I think you, you, you get my point. Um, so, Matthias, uh, you go first. <laughs> uh, who is it going to be in the back lineup? I think the official version of Borussia Dortmund in there, who, how, how could they play thing was... Uh, I think Piszczek and um, Turpak in, in the centre-back and then Guerrero and Hakimi uh, as full-backs. How would you do it? Is there an underlying issue with Schmetza that I'm not aware of off the top of my head? Lack of match fitness. Lack of match fitness, okay. If that's the... I mean, not that it seems that that scares Favre too much, but in theory you would maybe have... I mean, Hakimi on the right, and then Pishek as the right central defender, Topak as the left central defender, and then either Guerrero or Schmelza as left back, because I think Tolian has forgotten that he plays for Dortmund, even. Um, I, you know, I think that discussion is a moot point, uh, and, and that, that kind of dictates the back line, uh, as far as I'm aware of. Um, beyond that, ahead of them, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. Obviously, Witzel, Royce, Delaney, because they always play. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Paco starts ahead of Götze, and then in the 60th minute, they swap. And uh, Jaden Sancho will start. Uh, for me, I would like to see a back four, like I said, but maybe then Schmitz at left back, depending on how fit he is. And then ahead of him on the left side, Guerrero on the right side, Sancho with... You know, either Dahoud or Delaney. I can take either one next to Witzel and then Royce and Paco out of that. Could could be a high percentage chance of that's the starting lineup. Yeah, I I, I guess so. Um anyway, so so Gladbach of course arrive in Dortmund 
on in second place. Um, they are six points, if I'm not mistaken, behind Dortmund and um, ju just as Bayern are, of course. And of of course, that's a massive clash. That uh, will probably define a little bit how how people will will see the the first half of the season because if you can keep the uh, distance to Bayern Munich or so to six points or or even more because Bayern play against Frankfurt um then it's a success if it's just three points I, I think it will be um yeah not as positive anymore for for some people just because of the expectations that have built up in, in recent um days um on the other hand of course Gladbach I think have lost their last six consecutive league games against Dortmund which is a little bit unheard of um Lars have you seen Gladbach in in the recent games so they had I think the scoreless tie against Hoffenheim where they more or less had a miracle that Hoffenheim didn't score and then uh yeah somewhat uninspired win over over Nürnberg what do you make of their form right now Honestly, I couldn't tell you because for some reason it seems Gladbach are always playing when either Dortmund are playing or I'm unavailable to sit in front of a TV for 90 minutes. So I, I'm, I'm, I could honestly not say when I last saw Gladbach live and obviously making judgments from highlights on the zone or I don't watch yeah, them on Sky. I mean, hard. that's not. Let's just not go there. But what I can say about Gladbach is that they have their own personnel issues and arguably they are even worse than Dortmund's. Um, they, yeah, they are missing, yeah, that. they are missing Matthias Ginter, whom we all love and respect very much on this show, especially. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's been great for Gladbach. So, uh, um, that was, he's been superb this yeah, season. not only this season, he was great last season. So I'm, I'm not kidding. He's actually deserved Germany's starter now, which is, Mind-boggling if you look at look back on on his Dortmund career, but anyway, he's missing with a broken face, as Jurgen Klopp said a few years ago. Um, they are also missing Tony Janschke, who would have probably replaced him. I think Nico Elvedi is also a doubt, which would put both teams equal on yeah, three centre backs. The, the being... build of all all newspapers to quote here, I think they they even wrote that that he is out too. Yeah, so it, it seems likely that both. Borussia's will be without three center halves, so that's leveling the playing field. But also Gladbach are missing Raphael, whom I'm actually love instead of Ginter. Uh, <laughs> Jonas Hofmann, who we all love as another joke. Um, Lars Stindl is also out. Uh, a few others, I think. So it's not like it's full strength Gladbach meeting, uh, beleaguered Dortmund. So it's, it's arguably either the, uh, anyway, the other way around. So, uh, we talked about this last week, basically, that dropping points these last two games would be, would be bad for Dortmund's, uh, I don't know how to put it, would be bad for how people see the, the first half of the season, as you just said. Now that Düsseldorf's already been lost, I think this game is absolutely massive, not only because it's first versus second, it wouldn't, wouldn't matter whom Dortmund are playing this week. Uh, they, they really need, to at least a, a, a good performance. I don't know if they need necessarily a win. I think a draw against the strong Gladbach side might be okay. Just for the mindset to not be about, oh man, we are going to, to fuck this up, but rather to be, you know, this was a great first after of the season, the last two games. Yeah, that, that happens to everyone. We go again. I think it's not only uh, the outside view, but also the inside view of, of how these players, coaches and, and the entire club basically how they think about themselves over the Christmas break. Yeah, I think Thomas Delaney after the Bremen, Bremen game summed it up quite nicely. He said, you know, you don't get a medal for having a nine point advantage and also, you know, that you can basically lose it all within one week. Uh, you know, that uh, this advantage is 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 quickly gone. Um and yeah it could very well be so Matthias um if Lars can answer how, how Gladbach are right now or their form maybe I'll hand that question over to you if you've watched them um how much of a threat let's say do you think they are what are their strengths this season and why um is uh it's so that they are playing their best season in 42 years under one Dieter Hacking well you just had the 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 big oxymoron on their great season in Dita Hecking. Um no, I mean I, I think they just kind of found each other, you know, like two lost ships at the night. Uh to me it comes down to Playa 
just honestly just scores goals and Torgan Azad is having his best season to date as as a Fulham elf team player uh, and then Ginta was huge for them um, and Jan Sommer so Hoffmann, to be honest. Yeah, Hoffmann too uh, Sommer is solid as a keeper um, despite him being significantly shorter than his Swiss counterpart in uh, at Dortmund but being ahead of him in the Swiss national team no it, I watched and I have the same issue as Lars in the sense of usually the, the Borussia has played at the same time Or at least it, it seems that way. I did watch the match against Nuremberg, but I don't think you can really take anything from a match against Nuremberg other than in that match. Honestly, Nuremberg were a little unlucky. They didn't play that bad um, like we've seen them play this season. Uh, Gladbach, it, it's a hard one. I'm not overly scared about this one because I don't think Gladbach with Hecking that they're going to sit back and put 10 bodies behind the ball and just low block and hope for a long ball to a fast striker. Um, even though they do have that op that that capability, I think they're going to try to play more. And once you come out of your shell and play more against Dortmund, you play a lot to Dortmund's strengths, uh, especially because I do expect Jaden Sancho to start. As um, we saw against Bremen, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, to me, it can be a Bremen-type match again. The only difference is I don't think... I, I rate Sandro Schwarz more as a coach than Dieter Hecking, and I don't think the defensive discipline is quite there because Mainz has to defend uh, structured and well in most matches, whereas Gladbach doesn't. So I, that, that plays to Dortmund's strength. And if we're comparing patchwork back lines, the Dortmund patchwork back line is of a greater quality than that of Gladbach. And given that even though Gladbach has some, have some good attacking options, like Azad, like Plea, the attacking options that Dortmund can throw at the patchwork back line of Gladbach is better. So, uh, I don't think this is going to be a 1-0 or a 2-0. I think this is going to be, there are going to be quite a few goals flying around. Um, I think Dortmund are more than capable of ending the Hinrunde with all three points. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that this can be a, a high-scoring game and, and Dortmund's then being, uh, you know, a, the the winner coming out of this. Um, so, Lars, I, I think Lukas Piszczek once played as a centre-back or so uh, against Real Madrid. Um, Lucien Favre at the press conference said... Um, that I think because of how the squad is composed, basically he has, he is yet to play another system apart from a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1. So I think we should not assume a back three or a back five or something like that because of the personal situation, right? Yeah, I would be surprised. I think uh, Favre also said that Amos Pieper, who plays for the under-23 side, but has been with the team in uh, in the summer. He made the trip to, U to the US, for example. He played in a lot of friendlies, also the, the few friendlies Dortmund play during international breaks. So he has some familiarity with the rest of the team. So it wouldn't be shocking to me if he played in, at center back just because uh, Farfoot doesn't want to change too much with, you know, Pischek moving inside, Hakimi having to change, switch sides. We don't know how Schmelzer is doing physically at the moment. So it wouldn't shock me if the, the, the replacement was actually not Pischek. But uh, I mean, it, to me at least, it would be a worthwhile thought to experiment with a back three of Toprak in the middle, Piszczek and Schmelzer as you know, halfbacks, if you like. They are both capable of playing that, as we've seen under uh, Thomas Tuchel. Usually it was one of them uh, with uh, Hummels and Socrates, usually uh, in the normal spots, if you like. But I think for a one-off game, you could probably get away with it. Uh, Gladbach, if I remember correctly, are much more dangerous in terms of their goal-scoring record at home than on the road. So maybe that ties into it. And, and it would also give you the opportunity to kind of free up Sancho in a free roll up front, just to roam around, do your thing, because uh, it, with a back three or back five or however you want to call it, 
the the wingbacks would usually go up and down the flanks. And I mean, Hakimi is probably born to be a wingback and, and not a fullback because he's so attacking minded. So him uh, having Pischek as a halfback behind him would actually probably be better for Hakimi. And, and on the other side, Guerrero maybe? Yeah, and Guerrero or even Brun Larsen, they are both very much capable of being wingbacks as well. So uh, the, the problem is obviously that uh, a, a back three of Schmelzer, Toprak and Piszczek is really slow. Uh, and against Player and Azar, that might be an issue. But then again, a back two or, a, you know, a, a center back partnership of Toprak and Piszczek is also very slow. So it's not like, uh, you are making a, a, a big decision here in terms of, you know, just foot speed. So I don't think it's going to happen, but I would like to see it basically, uh, with the back three, because I think it would be, uh, nice for the seven other outfield players, basically. Yeah, I, I like your way of thinking and um at least for what it's worth when we talk about Uma Toprak, um it's it's very positive for Dortmund that at least in my mind he is on a very good stretch of form. He was out injured for a very long time, but then when he came back I don't think he had much uh, of a problem to to find his form and whenever he was needed he was uh, basically um there apart from maybe one or two wobbles um in, in in the first minutes or so when he came back but uh, since then he has been more than solid so that is very positive um matthias how do you how do you see that that uh, battle in midfield going out do you think that that Gladbach will play with the double pivot and uh, face and, and Dortmund as well or as last just said maybe maybe something else entirely because um Dortmund have uh, you know been let let's let's put it this way Bremen for example managed with the uh, diamond in midfield managed to uh yeah find spaces that Dortmund didn't really occupy uh, on the attacking side so from a tactical standpoint especially in midfield how do you see this battle between Favre and Hacking move along and about um well I don't necessarily see Lucien Favre as one to tinker too much with his system at this point. Um, and as such, I would pro I, I would assume we're going to see a double pivot, Witzel and Delaney, uh, just because Favre prefers them. Uh, as far as what Gladbach will do, I, I have mentioned it a few times that I don't necessarily think Dieter Hecking is the greatest tactical mind that has ever graced the sidelines of the Bundesliga. Um, and I think Florian Kofeld or Sandro Schwarz are better tactical coaches than Dieter Hecking. Um, and so I don't necessarily see him making significant changes. I think he'll look at it and go, we're on a good run of form. We're winning. Let's go and go out there and have a good time. Uh, I, I, I don't see a huge, huge change from either side. Also a little bit dictated by, by personnel issues. Um, Dortmund don't necessarily have them in midfield or in the attacking third of the team, of the squad, whereas Gladbach do. And so, you know, they also played. Uh, midweek as everybody did and also have a very short week to to prepare for this so i because of those things i don't expect much tinkering to go on and based on that assumption because <laughs> it all is just an assumption uh i think dortmund uh come out the better side in that comparison yeah i certainly expect that that uh hacking will not change much about the midfield that played against Nuremberg. I, I still think that uh, he will try with uh, Zakaria Strubel and Neuhaus in midfield and especially with Zakaria he has sent someone who um you know can actually distribute the ball pretty well um even though he is not an automatic starter anymore I, I think whenever he plays he he does um i think offer offer quite a bit and um i also think at least looking at at Dortmund's backline and how they are likely to set up, I would most definitely play Traoré again on the right or left wing just because he has pace and at least one of his opponents won't have as much. 
So this is something I certainly very much expect to to happen. And of course, Hazard has so far been in, in very good shape. So I don't see why he should be benched in player as, as well. He has uh, performed for Gladbach um, and scored a lot of unlikely goals. That, let, let's put it this way, that uh, you need a certain amount of quality for to, to pull off. I don't think it were flukes either. So I, I just think player himself has a lot of quality. And uh, if I was still in Dortmund, I probably would have asked uh, why Dortmund did not opt for him to, to sign him because uh, I think there's a very good case to be made uh, um, for for Dortmund going for a player this summer especially now they have Alcázar but also not really another striker even though I I do like Mario Götze currently and how he plays last do you think that uh, Dortmund should have uh, gone for a player or am I out of my mind I mean unless there was some kind of wink wink nudge nudge agreement between Favre and Nice that he wouldn't sign any players of his old club or bring them to Dortmund with him uh, I, I don't necessarily know why they didn't uh, sign player because there were obviously rumors and if a player is ready to join Gladbach he is definitely ready to join Dortmund uh, and they, he was That's what I'm thinking. he was affordable uh, if we look at Dortmund's deals this summer they I mean, they, they, they didn't have to sign Marius Wolf. So basically that's halfway there for, for player already. Um, yeah, but then again, I mean, Favre knows him best, uh, from two years together uh, at Nice. And if he doesn't make Dortmund sign the player, he probably knows a thing or two that we might not. Maybe he's, he didn't like, uh, how he projected him fitting into Dortmund. Uh, there, there's, there's so much room for speculation here that, that we shouldn't really delve into. The, the one thing that, uh, I can say from watching a, a number of Nice games, uh, in expectation of Farfu signing for Dortmund, even in 2017, is that usually player wasn't even a main striker for uh, Favre uh, in the league. Uh, I mean, usually it was, was uh, Mario Balotelli playing up front and player had to make way often playing on the right wing. And actually looking at his scoring record uh, last season, I think he, he scored like half of his goals in a spell of five or six games during the second half of the season. So it, it wasn't like he was banging them in 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 France really uh he's been more consistent uh goal scorer at least in the Bundesliga so far so I mean at the end of the day Dortmund found their guy in Alcacer he's been doing great he seems to be a great fit also as a as a person in the dressing room uh he's he fits the age profile just as well as player does uh, he's not much more expensive than he was so ultimately i think they can probably live with not having signed him matthias your two cents i i don't really see anything there that Lars hasn't already covered All personally right. so so let me ask you this before we sign off uh if Dortmund loses this game, I think they will still have uh, played the second best Hinrunde in club history. I think uh, right now with uh, what do they have thirty nine points or so? Um, yeah, that's the second second best rate. Uh, the the best Hinrunde I think were forty three points in the year two thousand ten eleven season, which of course they can't reach anymore. Um, so if they lose it, do you think um, you know just because of relative relativity? Um, their hidden is a little bit tarnished or bigger picture says Dortmund have played an amazing hidden regardless of Friday's outcome. Um, well, I think, well, for me personally, uh, my personal opinion of the quality of the hidden is not going to be dictated by one or two matches. When you look at the whole of 17 league matches, plus cup matches and Champions League matches, um, the the overreactions of people following the Dusseldorf match uh, was a little... I'm not going to say... It didn't necessarily anger me as much or annoy me as much. I found it a little bit funny. 
because it's almost like the way people were acting and talking. And obviously, Twitter, there's a lot of stupidity on Twitter. But a lot of, a lot of the way people were reacting is almost like it's Stuga ball and life is ending as we know it. I mean, it's Dortmund's second loss in all competitions this season. Um, let's... The, as we would say in Germany, let's let's leave the church in the village. <laughs> um, and no, it, obviously it's a fantastic uh, first half of the season, especially when you compare it to the entirety of last season. Huge improvement. I'll be honest, I didn't see this type of a Hinrunde uh, when the season started. Given the hangover from last season, yes, there were a lot of player changes and new coaches and stuff like that, but I didn't expect this. I don't honestly know if anybody expected this. I don't think anybody could have predicted Paco Alcacer being the most prolific um, off-the-bench scorer in Bundesliga history by December. Um, so Sorry, Niels Petersen. But <laughs> it just... I think it's still a fantastic first half of the season. I'm optimistic that Dortmund are going to win against Gladbach, so I'm not overly concerned in that regard. But should they lose, it does give some momentum to Bayern. I don't think Gladbach is going to become Bundesliga champion. Uh, it gives some momentum to Bayern, who for some reason think, as Thomas Müller said, we're back, we're back. Uh, if you really look at the last few matches that they won, they got lucky against Leipzig. Hannover, they played against a team that was as bad a performance as I've seen from anybody this season. So uh, the tough and matches... Nürnberg. And then there was Nürnberg. So they got an easy back end aside from Leipzig, where they got lucky and did not play well, but still got a goal. Um, so the tough matches will come for Bayern again, and I don't think every all their issues will be resolved in the course of a month of a winter break or even a January transfer window. So it's. I think the season's still there. I had some. I had people ask on Twitter, "Oh my God, is Dortmund actually still going to win the? Can Dortmund win the title? Of course they can. They're top of the league by six points before the winter break. Even if they lose and everybody else wins, they'll be they'll be league leaders. Uh, obviously, they can still win the title. Obviously, they can also still not win the title. You know, duh." <laughs> Uh, they can also, you know, win the Champions League or not win the Champions League or win the DFB Pokal or not win the DFB Pokal. Anything is still possible, but the optimism should remain and people shouldn't focus on a singular bad Bundesliga performance against an opponent that played really, really well above their usual capabilities. Uh, don't overinterpret it too much. It's not like Peter Stöger or Peter Bosch where you saw that tendency week after week after week after week. But even then, Dortmund still finished fourth. So I'm I'm extremely optimistic what the second half of the season holds, regardless of uh, the result on Friday. Yeah, I mean, if we look at the um, uh, 2010-2011 season, um, Dortmund obviously uh, doing very well in the Bundesliga, but I think uh, their international performance which was in the Euroleague back then, was uh, not so great. I think they flunked out. Who, who did they play? Arsenal, PSG and Carpati Lviv? Or, or, no, or some, someone else. I, I don't even remember who it was, but um, uh, Sevilla. There, there you go. Yeah, so that was not very famous. Uh, now they have actually won their group. So we always had to have to add that as well. And uh, if there's maybe one consistent thing is that Dortmund don't perform all too well against teams from the second division or very close to it, like Düsseldorf. Um, so maybe, maybe that's why, uh, you know, it wasn't so, so grand. Um, but Lars, if we talk about the momentum, I think I don't want to quote the Bild Zeitung again, but, uh, by, by accident, I've, I've landed on, on their page and I saw that they had the headline, do Dortmund have the, championship jitters now um do you think this uh is crucial for for the title race the momentum just considering what fixtures Dortmund have I mean Dortmund play Gladbach now and then of course first half of the first half of the uh or uh, first game of the second half of the season they play Leipzig of course and then Hoffenheim and and Frankfurt also not too far away meanwhile Bayern I think play now uh, a stretch of Leipzig Frankfurt and, and Hoffenheim, basically. Do you think this is 
very crucial throughout the winter break now, the whole momentum game? And do you think that Bayern can re regain some confidence or um, do you think it will still so sort of end in, in Dortmund's favor? Who do you see stronger toward the end of this year? Well, I mean, the entire momentum thing is kind of lost on me. Uh, because if, if, if momentum is so important, then how can it swing so easily? I mean, how, if, if Dortmund had the momentum and momentum is so important, how can they have lost it with one game? I mean, it's, it's the same in, in, in the NFL when, when the, when a quarterback throws an interception, suddenly the momentum has changed. I mean, if, if momentum is so important, why did he throw an interception? I mean, obviously it doesn't, doesn't affect the game nearly as much as, as people think. It's just something that we like to talk about because it, it seems to explain some things about sports. Uh, as you know, mentioning the, the, the winter break, I mean, doesn't that also break momentum? How, how, how do Bayern have the momentum in, in late January from, from Dortmund losing in December? I mean, that doesn't make sense to me. We don't know who's going to be available for either of those two teams uh, in, in a month. So momentum doesn't come into it for me, but obviously, Spending the winter break with six points, uh, or guaranteed six points, it might be, uh, might be nine points, uh, of advantage over Bayern would be much different than spending it with a three point advantage. And, and obviously it also would make a difference for Dortmund to have potentially lost or at least dropped points in the last two games, as opposed to dropping points in September and then ending the year on a high note, uh, on a great run of results and, and then sneaking ahead of Bayern at some point in December or whatever. So obviously these things matter in terms of perception and, and feelings, but you know, as for the title race, the title race, doesn't even start in December and it, it starts arguably, I would say, uh, it may be in March or April and, and it might be over in April either because Dortmund are running away with it or because Bayern are running away with it. We don't know that. I mean, six points, which I predict it's going to end up because I'm predicting a Dortmund win and a Bayern win. I mean, that's not so much, uh, but it's also not little. It's, it's, uh, the amount that Dortmund are going to have if they are going to have it and, then let's see in those last 17 games of the season what it's going to be worth. Yeah, I, I like that line. The title race hasn't even started yet. Um, I, I think that sort of also sum, sums it all up. Um, you know, we should maybe not get ahead of ourselves too much here. Um, anyway, I, I think uh, that uh, can also just uh, yeah be the, the final line for, for this show. Uh, Matthias, do you have anything else to say about the Gladbach game on, on Friday? Anything to rant about? Anything to complain? Or, or something nice to say for a change? Or should we just go over to predictions? What do you mean something nice to say for a change? I mean, I'm Mr. Optimism here. What are you talking about? I think Dortmund have had a wonderful Hinrunde and will continue to have a wonderful season. And we do not need a large target man striker to break down low block defenses. So there there you go. There's my negative. My positive is we have Paco Alcacer. So there you go. Um, so I'll, I'll let you get on with it with predictions. All right, then you go first. <laughs> Well, since I get to go first, I think Dortmund are going to win this match uh, by the scoreline of 3-1 with a Paco Alcacer brace. Lars? Uh, I'm also going with a high number of goals, kind of reminiscent of the Bayern and Leverkusen games, and the Bremen game really should have had a few more goals, I would say. So I'm going with a 3-2 home win for Dortmund. All right, I'm actually going to go a little bit higher. I, I think Dortmund will end this year with a bang. And uh, I think we're in for a attacking treat where, um, because I think in, in recent games, Dortmund just also missed a couple of chances. And uh, that often means that at some point they will be extremely prolific. So I am predicting a 5-2 to two win for Dortmund. I don't know if I'd be right, but that's at least how it feels to me. Um, also, one of the uh, guys to look at is, of course, Marco Reus, because uh, I think next to Mainz and Bremen, Gladbach are one of his favorite opponents, his uh, former club. 
so maybe he can get a brace or something like that so um yeah i i really think that uh dortmund will uh you know just leave everything they have out there they don't have another game after it to worry about and uh maybe it will just all come together i've seen gladbach in in recent games and i was really not impressed hence my prediction so yeah that's it from us for for this week um I hope everyone uh, out there who celebrates enjoys a very uh, jolly Christmas. <laughs> Matthias, you and your family, hopefully as well. Um, and uh, how can people reach you on the internet? Well, the preferred way, obviously, is on Twitter. Um, I mean, obviously, you can try to hack my other accounts. Uh, please don't. I'd, I'd, I'd prefer you not to, just, but just leave it to Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, remind me to change my password after this. So, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matiasuk. Uh, very well. Lars, how about you? Yeah. People can just hack into my, uh, Alexa and, and that will do the trick, but also they can follow me on Twitter at Lars Polman. That's very nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure all our, conversations are already intercepted by our phones anyway so um to to think that alexa will add something to that um i don't know you don't want to know what i ask alexa <laughs> no i actually don't Lars. <laughs> so you can find me at stefan butzko on twitter if you want to get in touch with all of us uh, do at yellow wallpot and i think there was one question um that needs an answer uh, which I sadly don't have. I think we have been asked what is the best way to get Schalke home tickets and whether uh, sites like Viagogo or, or whatever, StubHub, I don't know if they offer something like that, is the best way um, for someone coming over. I honestly don't know. Um, tickets for this game are extremely hard to get, especially in this kind of season Dortmund are playing. So I think just get ready to spend a lot of money if you want to have a guarantee um if not um try to make connections with several fan clubs maybe they will uh be able to get a contingent so um that's about that anyway if you want to subscribe to our show please do that on itunes stitcher and soundcloud and uh yeah you can find everything else on yellowwallpot.com until then have a merry christmas and goodbye